joining us today. We are so excited about today to talk about First and Second Thessalonians. You, you guys, this there is just so much fun stuff in here, especially concerning the second coming. So let's talk a little bit about what we're going to cover in this week. First of all, Christina is joining us again, and she will be covering Second Thessalonians. Christina, do you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. We're so excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us, Christina. Okay, you guys, so here's a little brief five-second overview of what we're going to be covering today. So in First Thessalonians, we're going to talk about missionary work, and you can also apply it to ministering. And actually, you can apply it to parenting as well. So we're going to be covering a little bit of that, like what that looks like, how he talks about how we should, you know, um, oh, you know, it's just good. Just wait. It's good. So, and then we're also going to be talking about the second coming a little bit in um, the first Thessalonians. And he's going to kind of talk about like what we should be doing in the meantime while we're waiting for the Savior to come. So he's going to talk a little bit about that with us, which is really fun. And then in second Thessalonians, we're going to again hit on the second coming, but then he's going to be talking about apostasy. So you can tell that Paul really wanted the saints in um, Thessalonica, is that what you're saying? You can tell he really wanted the saints to understand the second coming because he mentions the second coming in every single chapter in 1 Thessalonians. But then I think there was still some misunderstandings. And you can see that because in 2 Thessalonians, it was like he had to write another letter to, to give some clarification for some things. So he mentions it in every chapter of, you know, or there's at least one verse in every chapter in 1 Thessalonians, and then he adds a little bit more clarification in 2 Thessalonians. So it was obviously something that they were really struggling with, and they were having a hard time understanding. Um, so we're going to hit upon um, apostasy in 2 Thessalonians, and then he really is going to teach the saints the importance of work, which is awesome. So we've got so much stuff to get in here today, you guys. 1 Thessalonians, so talking about missionary work, ministering, and let's be honest, I'm going to throw parenting in there because that's what I do. Um, so, <laughs> so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, he tells them that he, well, let's just read it. It's good. Let's just read it. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. So I feel like it's really important when teaching, whether you're a missionary or whether you're ministering to somebody and helping somebody out, whether it's a friend or a family member or whatever that looks like, or whether it's just being a parent, I think it's important that we don't just bring the words, but we bring with us the Holy Ghost. And a lot of times that, start, you know, that means we have to start with prayer before we go out and whether it's through teaching or even just with our children. I can't tell you how many times... <laughs> <laughs> my kids have brought me a solution and in my mind I'm just praying <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> help me know what to say this is a really tough situation so I think that we all don't just bring the words but bring the Holy Ghost because with that comes power um and then I can't leave chapter one without mentioning um verse seven and he says here so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Archaea now I just have to say you guys so in samples means examples so here he's saying that you guys are examples to everybody around you. And so I have written next to mine, am I an example of the things I know? So we can't leave chapter one right without just asking that, that question to ourselves, you know? Like, are we an, is that an, whoa, let me try that again. Are we an example of what we know? Do the people around us see us as Christians? You know what I mean? So that's a really good thing to put in your scriptures is to ask yourself that question. Um, so then, so, so we're working here on the, or we're making a list kind of of what kind of things we need to be better missionaries, better ministering um, brothers and sisters and better parents. So the first one is um, come with the Holy Ghost. And then in chapter two, verse two, he talks about being bold. 
So that's going to be our, our second bullet point is that this idea that we need to be bold. He says, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Now, what it means is when he says with much contention is if this particular time period, there was a lot of contention going up, going on. There was a lot of persecution. And you're going to see that later on. He's going to talk a little bit more about the persecution that they're receiving, but they're receiving a lot of persecution. So here he's saying we were bold, even though it, you know, it was coming at us at all angles. They were not happy with us. <laughs> they were fighting us. Um, the contention that they were bringing and the persecution was strong, but we were bold. So I think that's really important. So come with the Holy Ghost and then be bold. Now, three through six, we're going to mention a few things that they not to do, okay? And then we're going to get back into our list of to-dos, which is awesome. Okay. So in three, he says that um, they, are, they did not use deceit or uncleanliness or guile, which is like cunningness. So we don't need to be like cunning and sly in our efforts to help people and to teach people. And five, he says that they did not use flattery words or a cloak of covetousness. And then in six, he says, um, nor of men sought we glory. So we did not seek men's glory. We were here on the work of our father our Savior Jesus Christ, and we were not seeking the glory of men. We were not saying what you guys wanted us to, what, you know, what you wanted us to say. We weren't flattering you guys. We weren't, um, you know, coding the message, you know, beautifully how, how you wanted to hear it. Like, we were bold, um, and we were, out, we were not after your glory. We didn't need that, uh, nor did we seek it. And then in six or in seven, he's going to continue on with this list of kind of like, to-dos, things that you do need when you're being a, a good missionary or minister or even a good parent. So in seven, he talks about being gentle. I love this verse, you guys. I love all these verses, so I'm going to read a lot because they're so good. And the scriptures say them better than I can say them. I just can't say them. Just nearly as good. So um, in seven, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Isn't that good? We were gentle. And I want you guys thinking about like um, when you're reaching out to people just this idea that like, you can't just like tell them they're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Like if they're living a different lifestyle, you don't just throw it at them like that. We're gentle with people. We need to use love. Same with our children. If they're making decisions that we don't want them to make, we don't just, you know, I don't know, throw it at them. We can use boldness, but um, not overbearance. See the difference? There's a difference there. So gentle. Gentle, he says, we, you know, as a nurse cherishes her children. And then eight, oh, eight, I love you guys. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Okay, this is such a good verse, because it's more than just loving them. Like, I could just say, go love them. And that's probably the bullet point you'll see on the board is love them, because I don't know how else to word that. But it's deeper than just love. So you know with your children, how they love each other, but sometimes they're not necessarily nice to each other. <laughs> they're like, well, I really love him, but I don't like him right now. Have you ever seen that with your, with your children? Um, Christina, if you have any moment, if you want to pipe in, feel free, feel free. Um, but so this idea that like we... I love how he says, ye were dear unto us. So it's a different, it's not just I love them, but I don't like them right now. Like they cherished them. They, they, were, the, they, they were doing the missionary work with so much love. Oh, and, and the next verse is so good because in the next verse in nine, he says, laboring night and day. I mean, they loved them. They cherished them. They, um, they imparted not only of them, of, let's see here. Sorry, I'm getting all tongue twisted. Um, willing to impart unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Like that's, 
that's a that's a next level up of love <laughs> you know what i mean so they really love these people so when we're ministering we need to think about like what does that look like to labor night and day well obviously not out like you know ministering night and day but we can include them in our prayers you know what i mean our prayers in the morning and our prayers at night, we can think about them. So there was a wonderful, wonderful man in my ward recently who gave a ministering talk and he pulled out his ministering um, paper. Oh, and you guys, I have never felt like I've been a very good ministering sister. And I feel so bad because this um, chapter really moved me as I made this list of kind of what that, what I should look like. If I were to follow um, Paul's example as he was a missionary, I was trying to make my list of like, well, what would this look like for me? And I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm found wanting. I'm definitely found wanting. But anyway, so this man pulls out, he pulls out his um, ministering little piece of paper. And it was, it was so beautiful, you guys, because he carries it around with him night and day. And so it's all crinkled, you know, and the little seams are little, you know, those little like tears in the seams. And he pulls it out and he just says, I want you guys to know I, I never go anywhere without this piece of paper. I pray for them every time I feel it in my, or every time I see it in my wallet, it's always in his wallet. So every time he opens his wallet and he sees it, he says a quick prayer for them. It doesn't take a lot of time or effort, but he keeps them always in his heart and in his mind. Isn't that so beautiful? So as I was reading through these chapters about how Paul treats missionary work for um, the Thessalonians, I thought, wow, that is what this man looked like, what his ministry looked like, you know, carrying them around, making them a part of his everyday thought, thought process. And I think that Satan has, that's one of his really big tools these days is to, um, make us think that we're just too busy. <laughs> he fills our schedules up. I mean, we are living in a very fast paced world and um, it doesn't leave a lot of room for missionary work, honestly, because we're just too busy with running our kids around and all the things that we have in our day. So I think it's a good reminder um, to stop for a second and realize, oh yeah, like this is what's really most important. And Satan deceives us with things that are really good, but maybe they're not the best. Oh, good. What do you think yeah. about? Yes, I love that. Yes, good, better, best. That's a good one. So without giving too many details of, of the personal experience that I had one time, and I'll just give like a little tidbit of it. Um, I had this thought come to me one time that um, the idea was that we are um, sleeping giants wrapped in a blanket of overwhelm, being overwhelmed. And that I, when I was having this experience, thought process, it was like, he, we need to wake up. We need to take this blanket off. We're these sleeping giants, but we're wrapped up all cuddly and, you know, we're all cuddly. That <laughs> describes me. What? That describes me. <laughs> I've never heard that, but it's really hard for me. I'm like, I'm just too comfortable. I don't want to go out of my comfort zone. And I have to like work really hard to take that blanket off. I've never heard that analogy. I like that. <laughs> yes. So, yes, we need to take off these blankets of being too overwhelmed and too tired. And take them off and be, be the servants the Lord needs us to be. So thank you, Christina, for jumping in there. That was awesome. Um, so then he's going to talk, go on. So he talks about, so in nine, we talked about laboring night and day. Ten, he talks about having impeccable behavior. He doesn't use the word impeccable, um, but he says, ye are witnesses and God also, how holily and justly, and unblameably, <laughs> we behaved ourselves among you that believe. So basically, they had impeccable behavior. And think about your behavior, both um, as a mom or as a dad, like the way that they're watching, the way you behave, they're imitating that. Um, so here he's saying, like, you guys are witnesses, and God's my witness. Like, we behaved impeccably. 
<laughs> I like that word. I don't know why. Like we had great behavior. So think about yourselves and the way that you act around your friends and those you minister with or, or those who, you know, your neighbors. You want to be missionaries to them, but how is your behavior? You know what I mean? And then he goes on in 11 to say, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So we've got exhorted, comforted, and charged. So I want you guys to think about those three words. So here's this man saying, we were bold with you, but we were gentle. And he, so, and then in this one, he's saying we exhorted. So it's okay to exhort your children. It's okay to, you know, to that, that word, you know, give instruction, but also be comforting, comfort them. And then this idea of being charged. I love in conference when they give us assignments, like President Nelson, this last conference gave us a couple chapters to read. And I really liked those things, giving, you know, giving assignments to charging them. So it's okay to encourage your children to do things. Um, Christine and I were talking recently about the idea of having our kids read the Book of Mormon before a certain date, you know, setting a goal. For me, um, my ward growing up, I wasn't allowed to go on this special youth thing. I don't really know. I don't remember what it, what it was. It was a Book of Mormon youth activity thing. And it was like an overnight camp. Um, but no one was allowed to go who hadn't read the Book of Mormon. So I was so excited to read the Book of Mormon. And I just remember reading it like every night when I got home from school. I was like, I got to get the notes. I can go on this youth camp. But, and then my sister, my other sister, Cindy, with her children, she hasn't made the Book of Mormon before they're baptized. So it looks different, but this idea of, you know, charging, giving assignments, allowing them to grow, saying, hey, why don't you try and do this before this, this point in time or whatever? I don't know. What are your thoughts, Christina? Yeah, I think um, if we expect, like if we have a bar that we expect um, them to, to, to reach, then that gives us that, that also puts a bar for us to teach them, you know, and get them um, where they need to be to be able to handle, to get them rooted so they can handle the winds and storms. Um, I mean, it's one thing if we're teaching them, which is great, but it's another thing if you're giving charges and things that things to reach, um, I think it just makes them that much stronger. Thank you, Christina. I love that. Just giving, uh, having expectations and having them reach out. I think that's awesome. Okay, guys. So in 14 and 15, we're going to see that the saints in this area were being persecuted and they were receiving a lot of persecution. And it was, I mean, it, it was apparently a big deal because he mentions it several times in these books. So going with this idea of second coming, we're going to move on to second coming really quick. I am going to give you, we're not going to read them, so you can read them on your own, but I will, mo I will post them on the screen. Um, how In every chapter, he gets at least one verse, just kind of about the second coming or saying it's coming, you know, they're not, all, they're not all explaining a lot. So I'll give this to you and then we're going to talk a little bit more about the second coming. So chapter one, it's in verse 10. Chapter two, he talks about the second coming in verse 19. Chapter three, he talks about it in verse 13. And chapter four, he talks about it in 16 and 17. Um, <clears throat> but I'm actually going to jump over to chapter five. You guys, this was so good. Okay, when I was studying this, my husband was next to me, and I was literally, like, hitting him. I was like, you gotta listen to this. This was so good. <laughs> so good. So let's read what he has to say about, so in 5, he talks about second coming in verses 2 through 6, and then again in verse 23. But we're going to read 2 through 6 because it's really good. Okay, so we're going to read it. In verse 2 through 3, he says, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Okay, everybody. They gave three different kind of like um, 
ways of seeing this, okay? The first one was a thief in the night. So what, uh, what does that look like? So you're sleeping, everything's peaceful, everyone went to bed, nothing was wrong, and then something comes in the night and it just threw you off. You're like, I didn't expect that, right? Then the second one, he says, when they say peace and safety, then comes destruction. So that's the next kind of thing he's kind of saying, like, at this point when they're like, all is well, peace and safety, then cometh destruction. And then the third one he gives is, um, as travail upon a woman with child. So those of you who have ever had a baby or have a spouse that has a baby or a mom that has, a baby, has had a baby or anything like that, you know that those babies do not come when we want them to come. <laughs> they come on their own terms. Well, I guess in these day and age, you can actually like plan it, but I never planned mine. So they just came when they wanted to do it. Give me chills, these verses. Yes, it's so good. It's so good, you guys. So yeah, so the, so here he's saying like the Lord's coming and nobody knows. It's just going to be unplanned or not unplanned. He's planned it, but we don't know what it is. Okay, but then four, five, and six, you guys, were well, is where I was like hitting my husband. I was so excited about it. So let's read those. And not a bad hit, you know, I was just like, listen, listen. Okay, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Right. <sighs> I don't even want to say anything because the scriptures, like, the, the, the power there, like, here he's saying the Savior's going to come as a thief in the night. And then he says, but you are not of the night. You are of the day. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit of a weeper. <laughs> but these... well, I find the word sober interesting. But let us watch and be sober. Um, I feel like we're always seeking um, entertainment and comfy lives and cush. I don't know. Not that we can't be happy and have peace and joy, but that we need to also take it serious. Yeah. It's not like this life is not something just to live as comfortably as we can. And to, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like, I don't know that word sober makes me think a little bit more that I need to be more serious in these matters. Yes. The definition word is vigilant. Oh, right? isn't that good? Vigilant. Yeah. Like be vigilant, just like you're saying, take this seriously. Don't just like sleep it away. And I love how he says, as others do. Like, don't be asleep as others do. Like Christina's saying, be vigilant. You know, this is like watch and watch and be ready. And we will be ready. We don't need we to. We also, sorry. No, go. We really need to take we have the responsibility of getting our children ready and preparing them and teaching them and not to be on a too personal note, but with, um, my five-year-old, I felt I have my stepdaughter's 15, but my, um, oldest homemade child, um, is five and she's starting to go to kindergarten. And so far our kid, the kids have been so young that we've just been like, you know, they haven't been able to really soak in too much of the information, but I got hit across the head pretty hard recently where it's like, I am doing her a huge disservice. If I don't start teaching, I've got to start teaching. I've got to start preparing her and getting her ready for life. 
Um, but yeah, so it's our responsibility to make sure that we are teaching our children and getting them ready. Absolutely. Yes. If we don't teach them, they will sleep as others do, just like he talked about in here. Um, so, so you guys, I just, we're going to wrap up that, that section on the second coming, but I love those. Just this idea that look, the savior might come as a thief in the night, but it, we're not of the night. So we need to watch and be ready. And we need to, the prophets have been saying for a long time to, you know, watch the signs, be vigilant. Um, just this idea of just, you know, don't be asleep. Okay. So then he's, it's kind of like, so then what? What do we do in this like time before the Savior's coming, right? And he's going to give us a list that I'm going to also be putting on the um, screen. And I want you guys to take one of these things, just one of them that you want to work on this week. And I want you to post it on like your bathroom mirror. You know, you take those eraser, eraser dry, dry erase markers and like post stuff on the mirror in the bathroom. I want you to write it on your, you know, mirror somewhere or on a wall somewhere. What, whichever one you want to work on this week post it because there is a really good list here for us to kind of be like, this is what you can do in the meantime while you're waiting so that you're not sleeping. This is a good idea. Okay. So let's just get right into this. So this starts in um, verse 14. He says, now we exhort you brethren, warn them that are unruly. So we've got warn, comfort the feeble minded. That's the faint hearted. So comfort. And then we've got support the weak, be patient towards all men. So we've got warn, comfort, support, and patience. Now here, after that, he's going to go into a whole bunch of like one-liners that I just love. And this is the one that I want you guys to really think. Which one of these can I work on this week? In 16, he says, rejoice evermore. Isn't that good? Like, can you imagine waking up in the morning and going to the bathroom? It's like, rejoice evermore. <laughs> that would make me just happy. <laughs> and then 17, he says, pray without ceasing. So then again, like, where could you put that in your house to remind yourself to continually pray? In 18, and in everything, give thanks. 19, quench not the spirit. And that means to, um, to like, hinder or extinguish. I want you guys to think about the movies that are playing in your home. Are they extinguishing or hindering the spirit? The music that's being played. Um, the, the social media you're looking at. Like, is this one that you could work on this week? How do you not hinder the spirit in your home? Get rid of the things that bring in that negativity or just not, not good, not good. And then he says, 20, despise not prophesying. And 21, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. When it says prove, like examine. When he cross-references, it, examine all things. Look at the things in your life and hold fast to that which is good. This reminds me of the um, 13 article of faith that Joseph Smith referenced for using Paul's um, words, a lot of Paul's words from Philippians, was that eight? Was that Philippians eight? Anyway, so this idea that like examine all things and then hold to that which is good. We seek after these things that are good, right? Um, okay, and then 23, so pick one of those that, that makes you feel like, okay, I can work on that this week. And then 23, and the very God of peace sanctify, sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I love here how he's wrapping up this idea that he is coming and he will found, be found blameless if you'll follow a few simple steps. So I just think that's awesome that we can take those and work on one thing at a time if we need to. So that's all I've got for First Thessalonians. So Christina... It is your turn. You are up, girl. Let's talk about Second Thessalonians. What are, you, what are we going to talk about? 
Thank you, Debbie, for the first Thessalonians. Yeah, so my favorite is how, so what if someone greeted you like this all the time? Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how he, this is how he greets them every time. It's how he gre greeted him in the first Thessalonians and in the second. And I just, I just love that. So he was really concerned about the people because he had learned that they were getting increased persecution. And um, he said in verse four, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations um, that ye endure. So they've been enduring a lot of um, persecution at this time. And so, and he said, so he goes on to kind of comfort them and let them know that, um, that they can, so in verse seven, he says, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. And he is talking, then he goes on to say that in the flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's basically saying that, um, that, that they will be taken care of the ones that are doing all the persecuting, but let Christ take care of them. Um, but to give you that he's kind of talking about the second coming here. He's seeing it is a righteous thing that God to recommence um, tribulation to them that trouble you. So he's basically saying, leave it in God's hands. He will take care of them in the proper time. Um, and I, I, I love the take rest with us. It reminds me of John 14, 27, when he says, um, peace, I leave with you. Um, my peace, I give unto you, not as the world giveth, um, give I unto you, let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's kind of saying, take courage. Everything will be okay in the end. And in 10, he says, you will be glorified or he will glorify his saints. Um, and so in chapter two, he goes on. So there is a um, speculation that there might've been a fake letter from Paul going around saying that the second coming had already come. And so the saints were kind of a little bit nervous about that. And so he's coming to tell them, no, look, the second coming has not come. There'll be a falling away first. And um, so he says, excuse me, in verse two, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is not at hand. Um, he goes into three to say that there'll be a falling away first. And Paul is speaking of an intentional fight against the gospel of Jesus Christ, rather than like a gradual moving away um, it was a pretty sudden falling away. And he's talking about the great, the great apostasy. So and for me, can I jump in really quick? Yeah. So um, for me, this one was a, a fun one to do with my kids because I feel like if people understood that the apostasy was prophesied of, like it was mentioned, not just only here, there were other ones. Um, Amos 8, 11 and 12 um, talks about the famine in the land, not of food and water, but of the word. Um, Acts 20, 28 to 30 talks about the grievous wolves coming in. Um, they knew that the apostles and prophets were going to be kind of, you know, um, persecuted and killed off. They talked about that in Matthew 24, 4, 4 through 14, how G Jesus said, like, it's going to get worse. You guys are going to be persecuted and killed off. Like, they knew that this was coming. This great apostasy was coming. It was like 
So then I feel like people will understand more the importance of a rest, like a restoration of the gospel. They'll understand more the importance of all things returning if they recognize that it was taken away first. So for my kids, when I was trying to teach this, it's a little bit more complicated to explain it because, you know, they're children. Um, so I just put some things out on the floor and I took one. And I said, pretend like this is the priesthood. And the next one, you know, pretend like this is temples and ordinances. And, you know, you talk about these different things. And then you say, during an apostasy, an apostasy is a falling away. All of this was taken from the earth because there was no longer the prophets and the apostles on the earth. They had killed them. <laughs> so they were, So all this was removed. So we took it on. I hit it behind my back. <laughs> and then you talk about like, that's why it was so important that we had a restoration of the gospel because all of this needed to come back. We needed the priesthood keys restored. We needed temples and ordinances restored. Like, so it was really good to have my kids visually see like, oh, this is why Joseph Smith was called to restore the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because at one point it was taken away. Like all this stuff was like the prophets and apostles were killed. So who has all the, the keys and authorities now? It was taken because it was the apostasy. Sorry, that's my little side thought. No, thank you, Debbie. Um, I love that activity to really um, show them visually that it was gone. And this is why we needed our prophet Joseph Smith. I really like that. Actually, that was really good for me. <laughs> um, so he goes on to um, talks. He says, okay, he says, let no man deceive you by any means. Oh, I already read that. No, yeah. No, I didn't. Okay, so let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So they're talking about Satan. Satan was given the title of, Lucifer was given the title of son of perdition when he is cast out. Also, all of his followers were considered the sons of perdition. Um, and so he also goes on in seven through nine. He is saying, for the mysteries of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed. Him the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Um, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So he's basically saying the hidden works of Satan, the mysteries are, and iniquities are going to be brought to light when the savior comes. Um, and then they go on to talk about in 10 and 12. Okay. You guys, this out of all that I have learned in this chapter, this resonated with me the most. So I'm kind of excited about this. Um, and I want you guys to hang in there with me so that I can explain it to you. Um, in verse 10, he goes on to say, uh, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Um, I was a little bit confused about this. So I dug a little bit deeper in the Institute manual. Um, it says, this means God will permit unbelievers to accept false doctrines and thereby forfeit their salvation. I was still a little bit hanging with me. So let's move over to, I was a little bit confused. Let's go over to Alma 12, 10 through 11. And I'm going to read this and I want you guys to listen. Um, he says, and therefore... He that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word. And he that will not harden his heart, to him is given the greater portion of the word. Until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until he know them in full. And they that will harden their hearts, to, um, to them is given the lesser portion of the word. Until they know nothing concerning his mysteries. 
And then they are taken captive by the devil and led by his will down to destruction. Now this is what it means, um, what it, this is what it meant by the chains of hell. Okay, um, I've been going down this journey for a little while of um, trying to figure out for myself and get that real strong testimony for myself. And um, this brought a lot of peace to me because when in Alma, when he says, um, if you will not harden his hearts to him, give it the greater portion of the word until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God until he know them in full. He wasn't saying, bam, you're just going to know it all right now, right then. Um, it's line upon line, precept upon precept. If you keep your heart open, hang on to what you do know, let go of the doubts. Um, he will continue to teach you. He will continue to give you the mysteries. He will continue to, till it's in full, until your roots are deep. And it, it takes a little bit of time, but it also, if we keep our hearts open, then he will give it to us in full. If we close our hearts off, then we're kind of setting ourselves up to just believe, you know, to believe the lies or what that it was saying, or to not, we've cut ourselves off from continuing to get inspiration and regulation and, get that, um, letting our roots grow. We've kind of, yeah, stunted our, our root growth. <laughs> no, that I makes love any it. sense. Yes, it does, Christina. And I love, um, I, I really, really liked this part as well. So I'm really glad that you, you said that it meant so much to you. And when I was talking to my brother about this, he mentioned the, um, the brother of Jared and how even though he was this incredible man and he was leading these people and doing all these incredible things and, um, he still had a misunderstanding about God. He didn't know he had a body. So at the time when he received that greater portion, that greater knowledge, it shocked him. He was like, wow, I, I, this whole time I didn't understand. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of us are going to come to a point in time, just like you said, as we go line upon line, as we continue holding faithful and holding true to what we do know, at some point it's going to be these aha moments where like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like those, those mysteries of heaven just start to kind of, like you said, they come, we learn line upon line, but at some point we get it and it clicks. And it's just this big, huge aha moment, just like it was for the brother of Jared. He had this understanding revealed. And um, so, yes, I love this idea of just holding on to what you know and line upon line, letting God reveal his mysteries and secrets to you in his own due time. And as you're faithful, he will. So thank you, Christine. Okay, so moving on, um, in 15, Paul warns and cautions the saints not to embrace information that the church leaders had not previously taught. He says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, which is another um, reason why we need prophets and apostles to get correct information, because they were getting incorrect information, and he's saying, don't believe those hold fast to what we have already taught you okay and then we go into chapter three um and in chapter three let me point out to my board here you guys just because i'm going to do the whole like ta-da! this is our last bullet point this is this is the work chapter you guys <laughs> so we're going to get into work so that'll be our last little bullet point for today go ahead christina so yeah, in chapter three, we're going to jump right. It is about work. So we're going to jump right into verse eight, where he says, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. So he's basically saying like, if I like, take my example, if I, the apostle am working for my own bread, 
my own food. I'm not getting paid for this. Same should you work. So a little background going on right now in Rome is um, there was a speculation that part of the fall of Rome might have had to do with the fact that um, there was a lot of idleness going on. A lot of people wanted to be supported and not worked. There was a lot of voting going on and they were take, they were voting to take um, like the money get from the rich to the poor. And so he's, I think he's kind of anticipating what's going on and saying, look, we need to work. Um, and he's, he also goes on to say, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. And he goes on to say um, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So he's kind of saying, stop yapping, stop um, spreading the rumors, just get to work, just let those rumors die. Pause right there before you go on. I think that is, I just chuckle every time I read that. <laughs> there are many that are, they work not at all, but are busybodies. I don't know why I love the word. I love the fact that he used that word, busybodies. And what I think about this, what I think about it, when I think about this is just this idea that like, you know, with social media, we're running around on our phones all the time, you know, we're in everybody's lives, we're busybodies into everybody's lives, right? Like, that's kind of, I don't know, they weren't into texting, they didn't have social media. So I don't know what busybodies looked like back in that day. <laughs> but in our day, that's kind of what I think about. Like, I'm like, he's just saying, go, go get a job, go work. Or for those of us that don't have a job, you know, do good things, you know, be about a good cause, not just busybody in everybody's lives. I don't know. I like social media, so I am not saying there's anything wrong with social media. I just thought that that was funny, funny that he actually talks about busybodies. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you, Debbie. And in, in Rome at this point, it was kind of trendy to not work. Um, they were able to use their power of voting to um, get more, more money for not working. And so he's kind of saying, he goes on to 12 saying, um, quietness they work and eat their own bread he's that you know he's kind of saying stop yapping stop with the rumors about um all these things just get to work stop being busybodies let it just die down with quietness and you know get to work um but he does in 15 he says you know yet count him not as an enemy but abolish him as a brother so love everybody um that doesn't mean we have to listen to what they're saying or follow what they're doing um but yet think of every love everyone as a brother. Um, and then he ends it. He ends it and he is so cute. He says, now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, but all means or by all means, the Lord be with you all. Um, and that's how I'd like to end this today. <laughs> with peace that, and grace. And we just love you all so much. And thank you for watching. Thank you, Christina. Thank you all. See you next time.